Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, a month ago, Michigan State basketball was ranked inside the top five and widely considered one of the favorites to reach the Final Four. But after a 70-57 loss to Wisconsin at the Breslin Center on Tuesday night, the Spartans have fallen to 4-4 four and four and have sent the fan base into full-blown panic mode. Is it justified? We will discuss on episode 130 of Live Spartan Confidential Podcast. Brandon Champion, Kyle Austin, and Matt Wenzel with you on Wednesday, December 6, 2023. Uh, we will get to the hoops in just a minute, but uh, Matt, what's up? Uh, how was the M Live uh, Lansing Christmas party? Oh, it was good. Kyle and I both uh, dropped in this afternoon. Had uh, they had it catered from a uh, Mexican joint downtown, and had some tacos and some chips, and uh, came home. Already got a pot roast in the uh, crock pot, so it's been. I've had, I've had less productive days than this so far. <laughs> Mexican food is legit. I don't know if we ever have. We usually just have like Jimmy John's or Panera or something over here in Grand Rapids. So uh, I don't know. I guess I'm gonna have to attend the the Lansing one next time. But uh, that's good to hear. Uh, Kyle, how's it going? How was the Breslin Center? Uh, Breslin. Um, well, we'll get to it. It's a little <laughs> a little on edge right now. I'd say. Yeah, I mean, it's. Uh, let's just get into it, man. I, I've had. I have thoughts. I'm sure Kyle has thoughts. Everyone who watches, observes Michigan State, seems to have thoughts uh, right now. As I said, Michigan State falls to Wisconsin, uh, their fourth loss uh, on the young season. Uh, Another slow start. You know, I guess we'll just start with the starting lineup, Kyle. You know, it's Tom, you know, with Malik Hall under the weather, goes with a two-big lineup, puts Carson Cooper and Mati Sissoko in the starting lineup together. Really didn't work. I'm somewhat puzzled why Izzo thinks it would work. I mean, I, I think I know why he did it, but like, I'm not sure the way to jumpstart an offense is to insert two bigs with limited offense into the starting lineup. And, uh, you know, it, it, it just, it, it really didn't work, but I, I think he was really concerned about Wisconsin's size. Yeah. Um, he wanted to have the experience in there, um, which ended up kind of, uh, being why he went with Carson Cooper and Wisconsin is one of the few teams where in theory, you should be able to play those two guys against each other. I'm sure he was, Concern about defending their front court um, of Stephen Kroll and um, Tyler Wall, but yeah, it was the wrong decision, and he um, he said that afterwards. Um, he pretty much said that, and and not only just the starting the starting lineup, which he went away from pretty quickly. Um, it was I think less than four minutes. He had um, he had Cooper out of there, and he had um, it was eleven to two though. <laughs> so yeah, I mean it it went wrong pretty bad. Which part of that is like. You know, the scouting report said let Crawl take threes, and he went out and hit two threes immediately. So, um, I, I mean, that 
I'm not sure that was so much on their bigs, um, but it was it was the wrong lineup. It it should have been um, Cohen Carr in there, um, and he said that afterwards. And not just the lineup, but like he played Malik Hall um, 23 minutes, I think it was, and you could tell by the end. I mean, I I could tell in person. I don't know how how obvious it was on TV. Like he was not um, himself. Um, for those who don't know, I'm sure people know the background, but he was sick over the weekend. Didn't practice Saturday. Didn't practice Sunday. Didn't practice Monday. Normally you would sit. I feel like like not play at all. Um, if that's the scenario, but they decided to play him. They wanted to play him minimally, but you know how these things go. Like if he's available, um, and in there, like Tom, ended up kind of playing him his, his normal minute load, which was a mistake because by the end he was laboring. There's one key play I remember um, specifically. They were still in it. They had a good stop on defense. Um, Wisconsin misses a three, and Tyler Wall just beats Malik Call for a rebound. Um, and they ended it happened up twice on back-to-back possessions. Yeah, the one I'm thinking of was right in front of me, and they and they they kick it out, and um, the other AJ. Um, AJ store for them um, hit a three um, and the, the type of stuff that is not typically going to happen with Malik Hall. So it was, um, it, it was a, a, you know, not a good coaching move. Cause I thought when Cohen Carr was in there, he didn't score a lot. Um, I don't think he was going to be a huge difference maker, but I thought he was better than Malik Hall by the end of that game. I mean, he made, he had what, at least two blocks, one, another challenge that was really notable at the rim. He did hit that little mid-range floater, which I don't think is going to be his bread and butter, but he does need to be able to do that if he's going to stay on the floor consistently. At least has to be a threat on offense. I I was perplexed by the lineup decisions last night, Kyle. I'm not usually one of those like judge every lineup decision that Izzo makes kind of guys, but the two big thing just did not work. Cohen Carr was badly outplaying Malik Call. We knew that he wasn't at full percent. I didn't understand that minute breakdown. And even the scouting report with Crowell, like I get it. You don't expect him to come out there and go, four for four because he hadn't really shot that many three-pointers. But, I mean, if you look at his game log, he was one for two against Tennessee. Uh, He shot two of them, and uh, he was uh, one for one against Western Illinois, one for one against Virginia. So, like, he doesn't – he isn't that taking – taking that many threes, but he is making them when he takes them. So I don't know why the scouting report is Mahdi. Don't even play within four feet of him. That was absurd. (laughs) And and normally, like, I wouldn't be this down for, like, a starting lineup discussion, but – Given this team's issues, which are it starts terribly and gets itself in a hole and can't dig out of it, that's been what it's done in every key game. Like the starting, when that's your issue, the starting lineup really matters. And like you say, putting a bad offensive lineup out there and that being a pretty significant reason that you start out down 11 2 and are in another hole, like um, it, they were not doing themselves any favors with that. Why has Izzo refused to address the center position since Xavier Tillman left? I mean, think about Michigan State, Kyle. Like, for years, there was always at least a big physical big man in there. You know, Derek Nix had to develop, but like Adrian Payne and and Xavier Tillman and Matt Costello and, uh, you know, I'm forgetting guys. There's been so many. And it just seems like for the last three, four years, Michigan State has not had an answer at the center position. I know he wants to believe in the development of Sissoko. Carson Cooper has shown some things, but even at his peak, I don't know if he's like a, a an all-Big Ten level player. We'll see what we get from Kohler, but we know his limitations. There's just big men all over the country. You know, we're going to talk about when Nebraska later ranked Mask, you know, who plays for Nebraska. They went and got him. Like, there's guys out there that he could get, and he just refuses to do it, and I just don't understand it anymore. 
Yeah, I mean, it's not like they're not trying to um, to have a big man like that. They're just trying to do it through high school recruiting, and the guys that they've gotten have not turned out to be what they thought. I mean, they thought um, they thought Mike Soko could be it by now. Um, I mean, shoot, think about Julius Marble. I mean, maybe he's not on this team, but like they thought Julius Marble was going to be um, that guy um, at least last year, maybe this year, and it hasn't worked out. And obviously. Um, um, Jackson Kohler's not out there, um, and he does have a significant offensive skill set. Like you, I'm. It, it's easy to, to take the guy who's not out there and make him out to be some sort of savior. Um, I think Jackson Kohler would help this team. I don't. I'm not sure they have won any more games if he's there. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, shoot, man. I guess. I guess. I mean, they're four and four. We might as well have this discussion. Like, yeah, the refusal to go to the portal. Um, it's it's hurting them, um, and I've, I've come in kind of slow to come around to that because I do think there is some merit to Izzo's rely on high school recruiting, have the year-over-year development be kind of your advantage, have the, you know, don't be one of these teams that just mix and matches a bunch of pieces um, because we've seen that go south for a lot of teams. Like, I, I do think that his, um, his strategy makes sense on paper, but you've got to pick your spots and going to the portal. Um, Tyson Walker, obviously has worked out pretty well. And by this point, yeah, like they needed to have um, a center from the portal. Um, if it, if it scared off Monty Sissoko um, and, and somebody left, oh, well. Um. <laughs> that wouldn't happen. Monty wasn't going anywhere. Like, you know what other program relies on development, Kyle? The Wisconsin Badgers. You know, you know what Greg Gard went and did? They went and got AJ Store from St. John's. You know how many points AJ Store had last night? 22. Led ever all scores. Like, and and if you're gonna be a program that relies on development, which Michigan State absolutely is, who who have been the best two players the last two seasons? Joey Hauser, Tyson Walker, they're both transfers. Like the development of these players that Michigan State has prided themselves on, at least the last like two or three classes, the development hasn't been there. And that's, that's a problem for a program like Michigan State. You know, I see people being like, why? Why can't they develop a big man? You know, people point to Dwayne Stevens leaving. Maybe there's something to that. Uh, but even Bingham didn't really come along under his tutelage. Like, you know, you look at this core of Aikens, uh, A.J. Hogard, Malik Hall. They're the guys who have been in the program for multiple years. They haven't really gotten significantly better. I mean, we can talk about a- a- uh, Aikens more here in a little bit, but like, those are the guys who are kind of that have been in the program that are your core that were like you took out of high school to get there. And I'm starting to wonder if their ceiling just isn't as high as we thought it was. You know, I'm not going to say I saw this coming because I didn't, but I feel like at the end of our like summer off season discussions, after we had been hyping how great the team's going to be for a half an hour, the end of the discussion would be like, well, the one caveat is that, they have everybody back, but this group has kind of been like a 20-win group. Finish finish third, fourth in the Big Ten, get to a Sweet 16-like ceiling type of group. Um, and I, I guess like the worry was maybe that's what these guys are. Um, and bringing them back isn't like they're not going to be a whole lot better bringing the whole group back. And that's kind of ended up being the case. Like something, something is missing from this group. You know, they're, they are not taking a step to the next level. It's not Tyson Walker. He's been fantastic. Jaden Akins is not developing. Um, Malik Hall is not, I know he was sick. I'm not talking about him last night. I'm talking about him overall. He's been okay, but he's not having this big senior year. 
Um, and Jaden Akins, um, and you know, they, they don't have a center. Um, and like we've talked about, none of those guys have developed. So it's, it's more than just like on the court. I don't know, like the, the group is just missing something. I'm not describing it well, but like you hear time as we'll talk about leadership and complain that it's not there. Like, that's a hard thing for me to evaluate. I feel like for us to evaluate from the outside, but like a, a group that should be better, just consistently not getting better and making the same, having the same issues over and over again, and nobody really taking charge and, and making things change. I don't know. I, that's what I was thinking about last night is you keep going on about this group doesn't have leadership. Like this seems like a group that doesn't have the right leadership if, um, if it just, if it can't get it done with this, this much talent there. Do you think they can shoot their ways out of this? Do you think that's even possible? Because I mean, Aikens, Hall and, and Hogard are combined to sh- shooting less than 23% from three, which is not, not good. And what are they? 300 and something in the country in field goal percentage. It's just, I don't know. What do you what do you think? I think Akins is the only person you can look at and be like, look at his numbers and say, like, okay, he's gonna shoot better. I mean, Hogard has made threes, but we know that's not his game. We know that's not gonna be his bread and butter. Trey Holloman, I guess, is somebody you could look to and be like, okay, he's starting to make threes at a little bit better clip. Um Malik, Malik Hall should shoot but better than he has. Again, not gonna his be- shot looks wonky to me, man. He's taking like Five seconds to shoot the ball. Yeah, he's not going to be Joey Hauser, but he should be able to shoot better than he has. Um, I don't know. Like, It's funny. Like After James Madison, after some of these early games, all you heard was, hey, the shots are going to start falling. The shots are going to start falling. The guys are better. Like, I'm not hearing that as much. Like At a certain point in the season, like this is what you are. And, and I don't think we're necessarily there yet. Like, I think they will end up with a better season percentage than they have right now. But the idea that like they're clearly going to be a significant step below what they were last year shooting. And I didn't think that would be the case. I knew they were losing Joey Howard, but I thought they had enough other guys and a guy like Trey Holloman would step up um, that they'd be, you know, close to where they were last year shooting. But they're, even if they start shooting it better than they have, like this is not going to be like a good shooting team. Yeah. And the more you watch this team on offense, especially early, it's like if you can't make three pointers and you don't have a, legitimate post-scoring presence every shot feels like a very difficult shot and you are you are not difficult to defend um you're you're not multi-dimensional there's not you're not hard to game plan against um you end up taking a lot of really difficult twos like it almost feels like a miracle they got as close as they did last night you know they end up losing by 13 but like their offense in the second half is like here's the ball tyson go do something absolutely ridiculous go hit three three pointers in two minutes with hands in your faces, go cut through three big men and somehow, you know, get a shot up at the last second and get fouled. Like that's not, that's not offense. Like um, everything they do offensively feels like it's, it's very, very difficult. And um, it it doesn't feel like that's, that's getting better. Maybe Jackson Kohler makes it a little bit better, but um, um, they're definitely missing something. Well, to your point, Ken Pom says they're outside the 200 and effective field goal percentage in the two point. I mean, it's, it's so much standing around. Like it is actually mind boggling as somebody who's watched Michigan state basketball, which throughout its history has played some of the most beautiful offensive basketball I've ever seen with running sets and cuts and back cuts and lobs and running and making shots and three passes around the perimeter to find the open guy. There's none of that with this team right now. Like you said, it's, it's, Somebody setting a screen and either Tyson or AJ dribbling around and guys coming off pin downs and taking contested long two point jumpers. It's it's disgusting basketball and it's not not a method for success. I mean, 
I guess Jaden Akins, if you're looking for hope, is still the guy that they need to be that secondary scorer. But right now, it it looks mental with him. When his shots aren't falling, I mean, look at last night. He played 21 minutes, didn't have a single rebound, one assist. Uh, I mean, that is... That's that's abysmal. I mean, this is the guy who was one of the hottest uh, breakout candidates in the country this year. And I think when his offense isn't working, he's letting it affect the rest of his game. And, and that is just not going to work for this Michigan State team that needs him to score in the double digits consistently every night. I mean, you talk to Jaden. He seems like a great kid. I know Izzo loves him. Like, he's a hard worker. He puts a lot of effort in. Last night, that wasn't the same guy. And I think he can snap out of it. Because I believe in the kid's talent, but right now it's it's just something is off. Yeah, um, he he was pretty dejected last night. I'll tell you that he's not um, he's taking it hard. Um, it, I'm not sure that makes anybody feel any better, but um, it's true. Um, you know, it's if we had had this conversation right before the game, I would have said that the biggest issue is getting AJ Hogard going. And if you're looking for a bright spot from last night, I can't give you many, but um, I did think AJ Hogard played probably his best game of the year, at least his best game of the year against legitimate competition, high level competition. So that's, I know they didn't win, but that's, um, I guess that's a positive sign going forward. If he can build off of that. If you remember last year, um, he got benched for one game around this time of year. It was the Northwestern game. They end up losing that game. He um, he played pretty well. They don't pull it out. But after that, he really kind of started taking off and got to the level that he did. Um, so maybe, you know, he got benched for the one game um, uh, against uh, who were the game before this one um, and Georgia Southern. And so maybe that's what gets him going. And, you know. AJ Hogarth getting to the level that he got to last year would certainly go a long way toward improving this team. But, you know, I don't know. I The more you think about it, it's like, how many guys have we talked about that this guy, pretty much everyone but Tyson, it feels like, you know, which is not performing. And at a certain point, mm-hmm. if it's that many guys, like, it's not all a bunch of different guys who are all having eight-game slumps, you know? Like, um, it, it, it's something bigger at that point, you know, whether it's Izzo not having this, um, not pulling the levers that he needs to pull or not having the right um, just roster construction or not doing what needs to be done on offense. I don't know. He was, he was obviously taking a lot of the blame last night, which is a tactic. I mean, you follow this team, you know how it goes. Some losses, he's blaming players. Some losses, he's blaming himself. Last night was a blame the coach night, um, which is, you know, try to take the heat off the players move. I'm not sure it does anything because <laughs> I've seen plenty of, um, plenty of uh, dislike for the players since then. But um, I do think that he is, um, questioning some of the moves that the coaches have made. And, um, I mean, he knows. I mean, we, we talked about it already, but the, the Malik Hall-Cohen Carr situation, I mean, that got misplayed last night, and he admitted it, and he knows it. Um, so it's there's blame to go around, let's put it that way. I guess if you're a Michigan State fan looking for hope, I mean, Jeff Borzello from ESPN, he put out last night, the Michigan State matched the worst eight-game start by an AP, AP top five team of the last 40 years. One of those teams was 2003-2004 Michigan State, Kyle, uh, I went back and looked at that that season, that start, and it was kind of similar. They didn't have a James Madison loss in there, unless you count the uh, Harlem Globetrotters in an ex- exhibition who they lost to that year. Uh, but <laughs> losses were, you know, to Kansas, to Duke, to a ranked Oklahoma team, to Kentucky. You know, they also lost to UCLA and Syracuse in non holy non-con schedule, first of all. Uh, classic Izzo just tells you how long he's been doing that. But, you know... I guess that's the one silver lining is like all four teams they've lost to are ranked right now. You know, Wisconsin, 
experienced team. I know Tom Izzo felt that they were severely underranked coming into the year. So like, I don't know if they have like a bad, bad loss. Not that you can say James Madison at home is a good loss, but I don't know. They beat the teams they're supposed to. They've got some games coming up here where they aren't going to be easy. Oakland, Indiana State, pretty good mid-majors, it seems. they got Baylor in their next game. I mean, you go and beat Baylor and you play well and you put it together, all of a sudden the conversation changes. But I think Michigan State fans have kind of grown tired of the, oh, it's only November and December. Tom will have the team ready to go in March. It's like, why can't you just have it cooking early in the year for once? You know? A a couple things. One, like, there's not that many like good win opportunities in the Big Ten this year. You know, they'll end up getting a fair amount, but like, um, you know, you got Illinois, you got Wisconsin, which you just lost your home game um, in that one, and obviously Purdue's Purdue, but like, you're not going to get that many ranked teams in the Breslin Center from here on out. So that, that feels like a pretty significant missed opportunity. Um, but also, to your point, like, yeah, I, I think they'll turn it around. I don't think they're going to be on the bubble on Selection Sunday. I think they're going to be playing better. But, like, I don't know. If they're playing better and they've won 20 games and they're a seven seed or a six seed and they're, you know, in the NCAA tournament but losing the second game, like, that's not a good season for this group. Um, it's an improvement on where they are right now, um, but it, it – that would certainly feel like a disappointment Um, to get better than that. I don't know. I have a hard time seeing this group getting a lot, you know, better than that. um, Frankly, right now, it would be the fourth straight season of, you know, underwhelming Michigan state basketball, you know, for a lot of programs, great. But for Michigan state, it's, this is not the standard that Tom Izzo has set for his program. And he knows that. And this is the year where they came in with expectations and it's just more of the same from what we've seen the last few years of, which is why I keep going back to maybe this core just isn't great. Maybe it's just okay. And maybe next year you get these guys out of here, you get these younger guys, some more experience, you bring in another impressive class. Maybe you get a transfer to maybe we'll find that this core just didn't have there. Maybe we'll find that they're doing their best. They just didn't have the ceiling that some other Michigan state teams have had. I'm not going to write them off because I like the kids. I think that they have abilities and I think they're talented. Um, and Tyson Walker is playing at, you know, let's face it, an all-American level right now. That's the only reason they even have a shot. So I, I'm not going to completely write them off on December 6th, but this is not it. This is not it. And someone's got to step up and take accountability in the locker room because Tom Izzo can take all the blame he wants. He deserved it last night. The players got to play at some point. Right. And they... I mean, they have, they've had bad starts. You look closely at that start. Tyson Walker had a wide open three. Jay Nakins had a wide open three. They both missed him. And Stephen Crowell steps up and hits back-to-back threes. You know, who, who came to play and who didn't? Right. I was just going to real quick mention, you know, that the freshmen aren't coming along. Xavier Booker didn't play. People are clamoring for him. Anybody who's watched the tape knows why he's not playing. We talked about Cohen Carter needing to play more. I think Fears probably needs to play more, but it definitely rubs salt in the wound when you've got a three-star from Michigan on the other side and John Blackwell, who looks like one of the best freshmen in the Big Ten, and Michigan State didn't even sniff him. You know, and it's like, why are why are these other teams around the country having freshmen come in and contribute? Not even highly ranked guys. They come in and they contribute and they play well and composed. And it looks like Michigan State's freshmen have no clue half the time. I just I'm starting to wonder, man. I'm starting to wonder. <laughs> 
I mean, I don't think Jeremy Fears has been bad. Um, I think he's been pretty good in spots. I thought he had a couple nice buckets last night. Um, shoot, he's their third leading scorer last night with five points. Yeah, Fears needs to play more, I think. I think Fears at least getting better. Like, you can be disappointed he's not doing a little bit more, but I do think Fears is um, at least showing improvement, and I think he's going to be um, good for this team. Cohen Carr's been more up and down, um, but um, I, I think he's certainly flashed, and like I said, I, I think they would have been better with him on the court more last night. Booker, yeah, like you said, I, I don't know what to tell these people, these play Xavier Booker people anymore. Like, go go watch the tape on him. He's not ready. And I, I mean, I'm not allowed to tell you specifically what happens in practice, but I can tell you what I've seen there has not, uh, has not <laughs> changed my opinion on Xavier Booker. Let's put it that way. I think I'm allowed to say that. Um, he is, um, which like, um, you think about we know what we've seen on the court and why Tommy's going to make his decisions. He has a lot more and, and the coaching staff have a lot more that, that we don't see as far as what's going on in practice. And if Xavier Booker is playing zero minutes um, in a game like that, when they need a front court presence, like if they're getting out rebounded by 14 with those guys, it would have been worse with Xavier Booker in there, which is not to dog on Xavier Booker. I still think he's a very talented kid, still could figure it out, but he's he's not the answer right now. Next two games really big at Nebraska first road game of the year. I'm not, I don't really know what Nebraska is yet. They beat a bunch of bad teams. They got, um, they got destroyed by Creighton. Um, but Ken Palm tells me that could be a close game. Um, so that would be a big one for them. And then Baylor, like if you win those two, you're feeling better. If not, um, you're still around 500 or below it. Um, and you don't really have an opportunity for a good win for a while there. And, and you're not having a very good holiday if you're a Michigan state fan. Matt, it's transfer portal season. Michigan State has had a lot of guys transfer out, namely on the offensive line and in the wide receiver room and in the quarterback room. So, you know, when you look at the portal, those are probably the guys that are the positions that they're going to try and hammer most. And based on their offers, it seems like that's kind of what they're thinking. Um, I guess your reaction to some of these guys transferring out, it doesn't really surprise me when a new coaching staff comes in. Well, I'd like to hop on with some breaking news. Um, Hank Pepper is committed to USC as a transfer. So Michigan State definitely <laughs> needs a new long snapper. You weren't getting out of special teams here today. So, uh, but no, out of all the, I mean, just to, because the portal is obviously kind of the, the, the big part right here, that in recruiting. Um, I would be surprised if, if they didn't retain probably multiple players that have entered the portal since this. So there's 15 guys that have gone in since, since Jonathan Smith was hired. Um, six of them is graduate transfers. The rest are, are not, I mean, like you said, you know, all three scholarship quarterbacks are in, um, you know, heavy on the offensive line and receiver, but I, I mean, I have a hard time believing they all leave. Um, but I think they'll bring a couple of guys back and I'll look at, look at wide receiver. I mean, Montori Foster has got a decision to make whether he comes back for another year, but after that it's, it's wide open, you know, pretty much. And, and you got, you got Tyra Henry in there, Jerron Glover, Christian Fitzpatrick, I mean, there, there's there's opportunities there, and you would you would kind of think with an offensive minded coach, you know, that would be appealing. But but I don't know. You don't know who the quarterback's going to be, which is another conversation. But you know, I I don't I think they'll retain somebody, you know, multiple guys, probably. On, I mean, some of the on the offensive line too. I, I would imagine because they're basically they're without <laughs> with Samac and Duplain out of eligibility, and and the other guys going in. I mean, you bring back, you you know, your your. What Lepo and, and um, um, Ethan Boyd, I guess, would be the the other guy I was thinking about, and he's in the portal too. Um, so, yeah, I mean, a lot of lots of reset there, and then you know, quarterback. I just I, I don't see any of the three coming back, staying with the program. You know, that's the spot where there's only 
there's only one guy. Um, Sam Levitt is on the record as being um, still being pissed off that he didn't get a scholarship offer from Jonathan Smith coming out of high school. Um, so, okay. I mean, more power to you. I'll give a kid credit for being honest for once and, and just saying it. So, you know, if he's gone and Hauser's looking to, you know, move on after getting, you know, it was not, not an ideal situation for him to, to be the only scholarship available quarterback on, on the roster, the final three games and just getting the absolute crap kicked out of him by a very good Penn state defense. Um, so maybe a reset there. And then Noah Kim, you know, he gets the first five starts the season, you know, and, and he played well at times, but he just couldn't keep, you know, not turn over the ball. And then he didn't take another snap. So you got to figure four years in might be looking for another opportunity there as well. So I think they'll, they'll be basically a reset at the quarterback position. Um, and clearly, as you look at the guys in the portal, that won't be the only spot where they're going to potentially be basically starting over from scratch with. Yeah, I mean, Kim, if he comes back, it's got to be as a backup, and he's probably not going to do that. So I wouldn't be too surprised on that. I mean, Aiden Childs is Aiden Childs is going to be the guy that everyone's going to point to. There's reports out there that he's considering Michigan State. It would make sense. Jonathan Smith recruited him. He's the reason he went to Oregon State. So he's in the portal. We'll see what happens there. He's a guy, and there's a lot of receivers out there. You know, Jamori Macklin, guy from North Texas, people have mentioned. Um, but it, you don't know what these kids are thinking. You know, like the good news for Michigan State fans is the season is not close. It's a long ways away. Um, so they're going to have to, you know, if you could retain some of these guys, you know, whether it's a, a Wigginton or a Vandemark or Spencer Brown, maybe I think he wants to go elsewhere as, a, as, as for his last year, but you got to figure something out because it looks pretty bare right now, but I'm not stressing it because things can change fast these days with the portal. And we see what is there almost a thousand kids in the portal already. So more. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's just, it's really difficult right now, obviously with the portal and, and just so much uncertainty. I thought one of the better, more interesting things Jonathan Smith said last week on his press conference is basically, Hey, we want to know who, who's going to be with us in January, and we'll figure. You know, we think we can do something special. Will that? Could that be Aiden Childs? Sure. I mean, it would. It would make sense on the surface. You know, Smith and, and Brian Lindgren, the the offensive coordinator and QB's coach that he signed with Oregon State with, are, are both now in East Lansing. They gave him a shot as a true freshman with you know some design type of you know packages, and he played well. You know, he. He completed almost 70% of his passes, but four TDs, no interceptions, ran for three scores. He's he's a very talented young player. But I don't I don't know him, you know. I mean, what well, NIL is a big deal. Is there somebody out there offering him two million bucks, a million bucks? Because, you know, he is, depending on what you look at, but 24-7 ranks him as the number one quarterback in the portal. And those guys command a lot of money. Is that that important? Is that the most important thing to him? Where does he fit? MSU's NIL situation is obviously not in a good spot. So I don't know. You know, it's until these kids enroll, you know, as far as the transfers, because, you know, committing on Twitter doesn't mean a damn thing. But so until they enroll, you never know. But um, obviously that's, you know, that's the position to start at as quarterback and go from there. But they, they have some some time. You got two weeks now before the early signing period begins. And that's obviously going to be important, too. But, you know, a lot, a lot of roster to make up. My one contribution to the discussion is um, I've been very curious about the state of Michigan State's NIL situation, too. Um, obviously, people remember back in September, they had to cancel a bunch of contracts, the um, the SD4L collective, that is, on pretty short notice. And they admitted that um, they haven't been able to sign up the, the amount of nearly the amount of people that they want to. 
Haven't heard a lot since then. I asked Alan Haller um, last week kind of where that stands, and he uh, he didn't say a lot. Um, you know, he admitted that it came up during um, when he was talking to candidates. Um, but, you know, if you want to sign a guy like Aiden Childs, you, you better have some NIL money and, and way beyond him. I mean, you got to fill out a roster, and that's, that's going to be huge. So um, we're about to find out uh, where they stand with that. Well, the good news is it seems like every starting quarterback in America is in the transfer portal. So if Michigan State does need to find a quarterback, you would think they'd be able to convince at least one of those guys to come to East Lansing. So we'll see what happens. But we're running long here. Uh, We'll stay on top of all of it. Um, As for Michigan State basketball, Sunday at Nebraska at Pinnacle Bank, 6.30 p.m. on Big Ten Network. Michigan State badly in need of a victory. Uh, We will watch and we will cover. So for Kyle Austin and Matt Wenzel, I'm Brandon Champion. Thank you once again for listening to MLive Spartan Confidential Podcast. We'll talk to you next time and go green.